I'm sorry. We got to go back. What the fuck is a twunk? It's like between a twink and a hunk. Okay. Can you like name me a person who I might know or a celebrity who falls into this category? Like Sean Mendes, probably, maybe, ish. Like kind of like na- is, I that, think is he gay? Everyone like thinks he is. He's the one who's dating like Kim Camilla is he the Is he the snowboarder? No, that's Sean White. <laughs> oh, uh, what is it this person matter. famous for? <laughs> Like, singing and, like, everyone, and being, like, a gay icon, even though he's, like, not. everybody i'm brendan and i'm marissa and welcome back to dear queers the show where we answer all of your queer queries again with the obvious we're behind i'm done apologizing i don't know about you i don't give a fuck yeah we're, we're here let's when we're here at this point i feel like we'll call it spring break um sure. and that's all the explanation you need or get and frankly you should be grateful we're giving you anything at all you don't deserve anything. Nothing. 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 We're giving you so much. That makes me think about how, as you know, Brendan, I've jokingly stated many times that I would love to run a cult. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do they know that yet? I don't know. If you do, if you didn't already know this, something that I would say I like 80% am joking about is that I would love to be a cult leader, specifically, like, obviously it would be a sex cult, because, like, what other type of cult could I run? And I just feel like I lis- I consume a lot of cult media, like podcasts and miniseries and books. Like, I have, like, for Secret Santa one year, uh, my good friend Saurabh got my name, and he got me an entire book on Jim Jones and his cult. Jonestown. Jim Jones, uh, yeah. Yep. Is okay, that the so one where gonna... they drank the Kool-Aid, right? Yep, exactly. Uh, well, tech, yeah. that's actually, that is a misconception. So, um... Oh, was it, it Powerade? It was not Powerade or Kool-Aid. I want to say it was... I, it soup? was like a... It was... Did you say soup? <laughs> um, Hot chocolate? <laughs> no. It was like a different Dog pee? kind... <laughs> I'm just going to keep guessing until you tell me. Until I tell you what actually it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yes, it was neither dog pee nor <laughs> soup, I think, was your other your But they other, probably would have drank both of those things if he had told them to, I think. Uh, right? I mean, well, no, because what the other misconception is, is that it was a voluntary act and it was not at all. People were mostly unwilling to and they were murdered. Uh and, like, forced to drink this as opposed to, like, choosing to do that. Oh, yikes. Um, so that is why a lot of people, um, when you'll, like, make a joke about, like, oh, drinking the Kool-Aid, it actually is, like, mm-hmm. lightly offensive because uh, that was a coerced death that all of those people were led to. 
Um, and another fun fact that a lot of people don't know about Jonestown is actually the vast majority of the population were black. And Jim Jones originally posited himself as a civil rights leader. Like he originally, like the cult started in Indianapolis and he was like building this church as like a uh, integrated church where like everyone was equal. And so a lot of black people originally found it to be very liberatory. And then, you know, he wound up murdering hundreds of them. So yikes. Yeah, people don't know that. But when you are gifted a 500-page biography of Jim Jones for Hanukkah, you learn things like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Also, did we figure out what they drank, these poor people? It's Flavor-Aid. Is that like off-brand Kool-Aid? Essentially, yes. Okay. What mm-hmm. flavor was the Flavor-Aid? Cherry? I, I hope it was cherry. Uh, Again, I hope it was at least a good flavor, you know. Again, like hundreds of innocent black people died, so maybe the flavor is not relevant. The flavor is always <laughs> relevant. Um which speaking of cults, can I give two podcast recommendations? Sure. Okay. So one is a cult podcast, and that's why I thought of this. It's a Wondery produced podcast. It's called Twin Flames. And mm-hmm. it's only six episodes. Each episode is only a half hour. So, like, it's not a lot of a commitment. But it is about this cult, essentially, run by these people, Jeff and Shalia, who convince their followers that... It, so, like, their grand unifying theory is that everyone in the world basically has a twin flame, which is essentially a soulmate. And... Mm. If you pay them a lot of money, because it's kind of like a cult and a pyramid scheme all in one. Oh, they'll, like, connect you? Exactly. And so people would, like, come to them and be like, Jeff, Shalia, like, I met my twin flame, but, like, he doesn't believe that we're soulmates. Like, what do I do? And they would encourage them to, like, stalk and harass this person to the point where, like, people had to get restraining orders taken out against them. And some of the twin flame followers wound up in jail because they were told that, even if you are, like, rejected by your twin flame, that's just a sign yep. that you're not trying hard enough to be with them. <laughs> like, you them. have to do literally everything in your power to, exactly. like, get them to, yeah. Exactly. So mm-hmm. that that is a really interesting listen. Highly recommend that. It takes some weird turns. It has a whole subline that you would not expect about um, transitioning genders. So, mm-hmm. um, So also is, a little queer then, yeah. Mm, not quite. Uh, oh, mostly are we talking like? I mean, spoiler alert! Like what Buffalo winds up Bill. happening? No, not at all. Stop <laughs> guessing. Is what happens is most of their followers are women, and when they realize after enough time that like people are gonna leave because they're not finding their twin flames out in the universe, like this doesn't work. What they pivot to is like, oh, your twin flame is actually in this group. But because like 80% of their followers are women, they try to convince half of them like you're actually trans and you need to transition. Why couldn't they just be like, you're lesbians? Because part of their whole theology is involves like the divine masculine and the divine feminine. Oh, and, like you need the dichotomy. Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, mm. it's a bunch of horseshit. But I really, that was a really wild listen. Uh, and then a podcast I have very thoroughly enjoyed is, uh, it's called Normal Gossip. Um, it's from Defector Media. It's hosted by Kelsey McKinney. And it is a podcast where Kelsey, the host, 
tells a guest each week a story that she has been told like third hand about someone's like very like everyday run-of-the-mill gossip so it's like drama in like a knitting group and things like that and it is wildly entertaining i'll have to well if it's on the ones on wondery isn't wondery like a like behind a paywall kind of thing no you can get it anywhere you get your podcasts okay okay Mm -hmm. that's good we're also a cult podcast as well so just so everyone knows like with we have a cult following and Uh we're uh-huh. give advice that is also law. Anyways. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brendan, anything you want to talk about <laughs> before we jump into the matter at hand today? No, I think I'm ready. Great. I showered. That's all. He, yep. He he came into the I don't, Zoom I don't. looking straight up like Jesus Christ, like white Jesus, straight from the picture in your grandmother's church is what Brennan looked like today. It's so discriminatory that like the second you have a beard and like long hair, you like everyone just thinks you're Jesus and it's like it's not fair. You know, like I hear what you're saying. And I'm all, I mean, I'm also Jewish too. You know, Jesus was a Jew, but like, I'm just not him, you know? Like, I hear I'm you. Me. I know this, <laughs> but like, you look like you just walked out of like a central casting audition for Jesus. You know that, right? I mean, listen, if someone sees me on the street and they beg me to play Jesus in the film adaptation, reboot of jesus christ superstar i will have to oblige obviously but you can't sing so that's a no-go well they clearly they're like we don't care like you just Mm -hmm. have to play and we'll just get like um josh groban to like do all the singing bits you know (laughs) it'll be fine Uh uh-huh would you ever consider playing gay jesus no because jesus like wasn't gay like he can't no but how that's do you like, know Jesus that, wasn't gay? That's like sacrilege. How could you even suggest something like that? Mm-hmm. I'm offended on behalf of Jesus and the entire Christian community. Mm, I'm so and sorry. And the Pope. And for, the Pope. Wow. Wow. That that really was the nail in the coffin for me over here. When you invoked the Pope, I, I offer contrition. Good. Okay. Shall we shall we answer questions? Now? We sure should. <laughs> there was no I the, there was no segue. Couldn't do no. it. Couldn't, Couldn't do, do it. it. Couldn't do it. All right. So it's just a hard hard <laughs> transition. Taking a firm left into today's topic, which is body image. Body whenever I hear that, I think of like you know in The Little Mermaid when Ursula, like, she's singing her song and then she's like, body language, you know? Like that. Anyway. So I feel like we've talked I'll, I'll about throw that. Before. I'll throw that clip in here so that, that pe- uh-huh. everyone knows what I'm talking about. How can I? You have your looks, your pretty face, and don't underestimate the importance of body language. <laughs> so. Yeah, I probably haven't seen The Little Mermaid in over two decades, so I don't 
really uh, have a frame of reference for that that's particular a, that's a problem. quote. That's a big problem. We'll have to fix that soon. I, mean, I feel fine about it, but you do you. Anyway, body image. Okay. Dear <laughs> queers, I identify as gay, and something that has always bothered me is how much emphasis is placed on body type in the gay community. I'm a little larger in build, and I find myself in situations where I'm not welcome because of my body type or fetishized because of my body type. I just want to be seen as more than my body. But is that even possible? From otters, wolves, and bears. Oh, my. Oh, my. Mm. Good question. Yeah. Or I mean. Statement. I mean, it's it's not. It, yeah. Eh. Mm-hmm. I guess it's kind of a question. Yeah. And so I obviously, I am not a gay man, so I cannot speak to this with as much as uh, I can. <laughs> Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> yep. Can you imagine there's someone who's been listening this whole time and they're like, wait, what? I thought what? Melissa was a gay man. <laughs> no, I'm done she's listening. Just beloved by them ubiquitously. Mm-hmm. I am not a gay man. So I cannot speak as authoritatively on this as the gay man in this room can. But what mm-hmm. we know, what I can say, like particularly from a therapy background, is we know that gay men are much more likely than straight men to be likely to have uh, an eating disorder or other forms of disordered eating. Particularly, a way that we see this show up is in um, obsessive exercising as well. There's a, there's a lot of pressure in the gay male community to have a body that conforms to these really, really rigid expectations. And mm. many gay men feel a ton of pressure to look this really, really specific way. And that can show up in some pretty unhealthy um, habits around nutrition, diet, and exercise. I mean, I can say, like, when I came out, this was something that I did kind of think about a lot in terms of, like, uh, you know, like, starting to learn of, like, okay, there's bears and otters and twinks and twunks and, you know, like, all these sort of categories that, like, sort of exist within this community that have sort of been formed that are all essentially shaped around your body and like how your body is not a lot to do with like what kind of person you are like what you like or dislike Mm -hmm. I mean outside of physicality and that was sort of a you know I think everyone's sort of insecure about their body in some way or another even people that you might not think and then to also have so much kind of emphasis and pressure placed on your body to sort of like exist within this community that was definitely something where i was like oh i don't i mean first of all i was like i don't know where i fit into like if i had to be defined or placed into one of these categories which one would i be in which one would i want to be in yeah it was sort of a confusing i mean still is to me a little bit like i personally don't like to subscribe to this like sort of categorization based on body type like to me Mm-hmm. It feels so kind of like reductive and yeah, I feel like it, it causes more harm than good. I do understand like there are, you know, for example, like in the, like the bear community, uh, for anyone who, who doesn't know, like a, a bear would be someone who's maybe like, you know, like this person asking this question, like a little bit bigger in build, maybe hairier, which is not the sort of like, uh, stereotypical, like 
chiseled kind of Ken doll sort of look that gets put placed on a pedestal sometimes I think of like this Mm -hmm. is like peak masculinity and like you know this is what everyone should be striving for so I think you know and then having that that sort of that antithesis of that and creating that space for those kind of people with that body type to you know feel comfortable around each other I think in some ways is good but then at the same time then they're becomes like policing and controlling even within that of like you know if you're not big enough or hairy enough or whatever then like no then you can't participate in Mm -hmm. that group either and it's sort of like you have to and you I think it becomes a situation of then you're ending up trying to mold yourself and your body to fit perfectly into one of these groups to sort of like embody that and then that obviously yeah becomes problematic Mm -hmm. because then you're doing things that are maybe unhealthy to try and achieve a certain look or body type or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And it seems like, right, the the existence of some of these subgroups, right, like, like you said, like bears, otters, twinks to some degree, exist outside of that. This There's sort of this hierarchy, right, to some mm-hmm. degree of like the, the platonic ideal of what you are, quote, supposed to look like as yeah. a gay man, right, is like like you said, chiseled abs, Ken doll. You're like, like you could walk around in a speedo at a beach party, and everyone's eyeballs would fall out of their head. Like that is sort of mm-hmm. like the norm. Then we have these subcategories that are distinct from that. But also, if you don't fit into one of those groups, then I think there's certainly that idea. And it sounds like to what degree you experience, right? Like, but where do I fit in this ecosystem of gay masculinity yeah it sort of feels like you have to pick and choose and be defined in a certain way like (laughs) again you know like we've talked about kind of labels in general when it comes to all different you know like gender sexuality all these different things Mm -hmm. and i think in the same way with this it's like uh having the different labels and categories so that then we can place people and define people and then know how to like treat people and like interact Mm -hmm. with people because you're like oh you're this, your A, your B, I'm B, your C, so we can or can't do this or that, you know, and that's, Mm -hmm. yeah, unfortunately, I think what happens within the gay community a lot is just sort of this, like, I fit here, you fit there, and that's how it is kind of thing, so, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, I do, I, yeah, I feel for this person in terms of, like, feeling like, well, I'm just me, but everyone else is defining me and seeing me as this which is not maybe necessarily how I feel or what I want and then having to try and navigate that it's tricky yeah Um, and I I feel like what I would encourage this person to do is to find their own specific community within the broader gay community and so I don't necessarily mean right like go find other bears or something like that but find your people regardless Mm -hmm. of how they might be categorized by others who feel the way that you feel in the sense of that pigeonholing people by their body types is not helpful, is troublesome. And the more you can spend time with people who see the world the way you do, hopefully the, the impacts of how others might feel about it are lessened to some degree. Yeah, and I think it's unfortunate. I mean, I mean, like, clearly... You know, I kind of feel the same way about this Mm -hmm. situation. 
I'm sure there are a lot of gay men who, you know, also probably don't enjoy the kind of categorization and stuff like that. And yet, you know, like, because it seems like that's the pervasive way things operate, people, you know, like, you don't want to feel like the outsider, so everyone just kind of subscribes to it and just, you know, keeps it Mm -hmm. going, basically. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, right, I think that that's good advice of, like, yeah, find the people that you fit with that maybe, you know, aren't part of that, like, category that you've sort of been placed into, or do, you know, it's like, you just have to kind of find a way to, yeah, like, surround yourself with people who are maybe mm-hmm. less focused on that aspect of you or people yeah. in general, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I think, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know, I was going to say also, like, yeah, I think if enough, yeah, like, gay men sort of try to break out of this a little bit, I think we can, like, it doesn't have to be this way I think to a certain extent yes but and I think it's, this it's is a hard thing to do obviously so. it is but I think it's so important because in terms of what our standards of beauty are they're all societally conditioned like you are not mm-hmm. born from the womb being like I'm only attracted to dudes with a six-pack that is something that that is learned throughout your life and so more the more that we can move the needle around what is considered to be desirable mainstream normative the more it benefits everybody so i think it absolutely does take some intentionality from the gay community at large to say we're gonna stop putting certain body types on a pedestal and really be more inclusive about all bodies in order for that to be something that has broader ramifications yeah i guess for this person right just you know maybe branch out a little bit and try and yeah yeah and I think like to answer their specific question of I just want to be seen as more than my body but is that even possible I think yes and it depends on what spaces you're finding yourself in if it's Saturday night at two in the morning and you're like at the gay club then you you might find yourself put into a category or being seen a certain way for your body that feels really uncomfortable for you. And I don't mean that in the sense of saying like, you shouldn't feel comfortable or you shouldn't be allowed in that space. But the reality is, short of some of the changes in these norms, a lot of mainstream gay spaces are going to feel really uncomfortable to be in because other people are perpetuating those behaviors and you don't have control over that. Yeah, it's sort of like we're not there yet, so kind of until we can kind of get to that point, you have to acknowledge Right, you either have to decide, like, I'm not comfortable in these spaces, so I'll choose to not be there, or learn how to maybe put some distance from how that feels. What does it look like to to figure out, to say, like, other people might view me in this way, but I'm going to try to let that affect me less which is shitty that you have to do that that's not fair but is something that might be necessary to do if you want to participate in these areas while you're talking to i was trying to think of like how many of these like categories can i name can i think of yes what's the role there's so many it's like well okay so what so we've got otters wolves bears 
Cubs, Twinks, Twunks, Hunks, uh, what else? Jock, I don't, uh. I'm sorry, we gotta go back. What the fuck is a twunk? It's, like, between a twink and a hunk. Okay. Can you, like, name me a person who I might know or a celebrity who falls into this category? Sean Mendez, probably? Maybe? Ish? Like, kind of, like, na- is I think... Is he gay? Everyone, like, thinks he is. He's the one who's dating, like, Kim, Camilla is he the Is he the snowboarder? No, that's Sean White. <laughs> oh. Uh... <laughs> What is it this person matter. famous for? <laughs> like singing and like everyone and being like a gay icon, even though he's like not. Is he gay really or out? Or I, the only reason I know who this person uh, is I've, like Demois. So like Sean Mendez is this person. Like gay people are like obsessed with him because they're mm. yeah. Okay. But yeah, I mean it's essentially yeah. like you, you know what a twink is. I know what a twink it's, is. Yeah, it's like a kind of more I don't know. I guess like a more muscular, okay. more twink. I don't know. I hear what you're saying. Like a less scrawny twink. Yeah. All right. Mm, if anything, this Sean Mendez fellow looks kind of like a lesbian. <laughs> you making your you're aging yourself by not knowing who he is. Listen, I'm not a Gen Zer. <laughs> I don't have a center but part. You have I don't to try. own any. Mo- Why? Why you're do not I even have trying. to try? I don't want to try. I'm gonna be. <laughs> 30 this year i'm decrepit why try to cling even, to the vestiges of my youth TikTok. you're not nope. even on TikTok. and i will never be i refuse to be a part of tiktok whenever That's people send me up. tiktoks i don't watch them because i'm like That's this how is I... I, yeah, well, I don't have I don't have the patience for it. I don't have the interest in it. I'm spiritually <laughs> I'm spiritually like rotting in my grave. Wow. <laughs> that seems kind of extreme, but I'll accept I mean, it. I mean, I'm it. being a little hyperbolic for dramatic effect here. Okay, then. okay, okay. I was like, that's quite a big jump from 30. But, <laughs> I'm know. more like, I'm spiritually probably like 37. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, all right, I think we answered this as we well sure as did. we did. Great. <laughs> Let's go to our next question, which is as follows. Mm -hmm. Dear Queers, I recently came out as non-binary, which has taken me a while to feel comfortable expressing. I am also a person with larger than average boobs. I like my boobs, but I feel like that is sometimes the first thing people notice about me, which constantly leads to misgendering. How do I get people to see me the way I would like to be seen with, while also staying true to myself and my body? From the breast intentions. Uh, well, first of all, kudos to our letter writer for coming out, which is hard to do. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mazel tov on that. Yeah, for sure. This is a tricky situation, right? I, it sounds like, you know, this person's not writing to us saying, my boobs give me gender dysphoria. What do I do about that? This person's saying, I like my body the way it is, and it gets interpreted really differently than how I'd like it to be. I feel like what's not, again, talking more about Gen Z, I feel like the Gen Zers are really pushing the envelope of, like, 
people being comfortable, you know, expressing different flavors of their gender along the yes. spectrum and being, you know, much more comfortable. I feel like even within the past like few years, it just oh, feels like it's a it's an a explosion. radical <laughs> shift. And I think it is mm-hmm. like like these are like like middle parts and mom jeans aside, this is like the work Gen Z is doing that is making the world a better place, right? Like this is yes. like the the attitudes and sentiments around gender and sexuality are what are really liberatory. So I love yeah. that they are heralding this for the rest of us. Yeah, no, it's like it's incredible. But then, yeah, I've definitely come across situations and people where like it makes people like I, I think again with any kind of like upheaval shift things moving around people don't like change and i've definitely come across people who get like like angry almost like upset by people defining their gender in one way or another and then not like like that doesn't fit with like what this other person like wants to see or how they want to define this person which it has nothing to do with that it's really not up to them at all but people get like and I think especially when it's, you know, like maybe, right, like in this case, obviously there are elements of this person that present to certain people maybe as more female, and those people probably then want to be like, oh, you're you're a woman, you're female, and that's how I want right. to define you. And it sounds like it's not even necessarily just that this letter writer is experiencing this from people who are coming at it from a place of anger or refusal to engage. It sounds like because this person has a body that is more traditionally read as feminine, that people's Mm -hmm. automatic assumptions are just not congruent with what is actually this person's gender identity. Mm -hmm. And again, yeah, I mean, like, we've talked about this before, but obviously there is a difference between gender identity identity and gender expression you don't have to you can feel and identify however feels right to you in terms of gender that doesn't have to translate to you know okay so now i have to like present in this specific way for other people you're just as non-binary in a dress and heels as you are in a suit that's kind of like sometimes the whole point yeah but i think that is still difficult for a lot of people to digest and i've had like arguments and discussions with different people about that where it's like oh yeah well but they're like look super like feminine or they look super butch so like why so clearly they're you know i think like for some people don't get it at all but some people like okay they'll understand all right non-binary means somewhere in between so then i think they also think that then means like right, like androgynous. Yes, yeah. like mm-hmm. you're never presenting on like one side of the spectrum or the other. It's always sort of somewhere right. in between, which is mm-hmm. not how right. it works. And this person, it's not even just about like their gender presentation in terms of like how they like dress or groom themselves. It's their body. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which you certainly like for a lot of trans and gender nonconforming folks. Sometimes your body is a thing that is important for you to change in order to reduce dysphoria or to feel more at home in your body. But for plenty of people, that's not necessary at all. And not only not necessary, is it something that would be dysphoric perhaps to do to change? Mm -hmm. So I think, unfortunately, I think the problem with what the question we're being asked is, is it starts with, 
how do I get people to dot, dot, dot. And Mm -hmm. and generally speaking, anytime we're asking a question that involves like, how do I get other people to change? It's usually a self-defeating question because most of the time we are not capable of getting other people to change. Certainly sometimes... You know, when it comes to, say, like, interpersonal relationships, we can do things like set boundaries, right? So if the question is, you know, like, how do I get my mom to stop calling me six times a day? Then that's, you know, we can say things like, okay, stop picking up your phone and things like that. But when it comes to, like, how can I change people's understandings? How can I make people stop doing this short of you know, a massive public service campaign that, like, reads, like, just because someone has boobs doesn't mean they're cisgender. I yeah. I don't know that there is a lot that this person has the ability to control in this situation. Yeah. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, that is true, right? Yeah, it's like you can't go around to every single person and be like, yeah, like, this is what I need you to do, da, da, da. you know, like you can't control other people really or anyone. Mm-hmm. But then obviously what you shouldn't do is then like try and change yourself for these other people, you know, like just mm-hmm. because they're not getting it or whatever, they're not on the side you want them to be on. You absolutely shouldn't then try and like change yourself to then try and fix that, you know, like that's on them. That's not on you. Absolutely. What I think this person can do is, again, some of this is situational, but I think this is a good opportunity to leverage allyship. So, for example, let's say that this person is experiencing this misgendering in the workplace, right? Like, maybe this is something where, you know, you start a new job and everyone is mamming you or using the wrong pronouns. This is where you can, if you have, like, a coworker who has expressed support for you, you can ask that person to correct people when you're not around. You This is if you have like a supportive HR department, this is when you go to them and say, can you send out a staff-wide email reminding people to be using the correct pronouns? And perhaps like if people are continually misgendering you, can we ensure that appropriate punishments are implemented? Because that is... Absolutely an HR issue, right? So what are you, like, yes, we can't control other people. And ideally, you are not having to do all this work on your own. Who's in your team? Who's on your, in your corner that you can rope in to do some of the heavy lifting for you here? Especially, yeah, in a situation like work or school or whatever, where you're kind of interacting with basically the same people every day. You know, you'd hope that, like, at a certain point you can... It's it's different when it's, like, sure, random people that you might meet out and about or whatever, but when it's people mm-hmm. that you're constantly interacting with, yeah, they should hopefully be able to be corrected, be able to adjust, you know, like... Mm-hmm. And having allies and people around you to help with that so it's not just, like, all on you. It's, that's all your responsibility because, yeah, it shouldn't be if it doesn't have to be right it's a lot easier in settings where it's like let's say you're at you know a family reunion and like you know your mm. great uncle is gonna be real confusing uh. about it you know that's where you like rope in like your favorite cousin to try to like you know have a conversation with him beforehand and make sure that he is not being an asshole about it but right if it's like 
I'm going to the coffee shop and I'm getting misgendered there. There are some things, right, that's like you can wear a pronoun pin. There's things to some degree you can do, but that's, again, it's a lot of, it's labor that you're then being kind of required to do, which ideally would be done by the people at hand, but that you ultimately don't have a lot of, unfortunately, power to get them to do. I don't know. Obviously, it would be nice if, like, the barista genders you correctly, but they're probably not doing it maliciously, and it's like to have to fight so many battles like that every day is... It's a lot to deal with. Right. You know? so, right so. so right. then it's the sort of thing where I think then the questions we ask are like, okay, so like what are the queer friendly coffee shops in your neighborhood? Mm-hmm. You know, do yeah, you like maybe need spaces. to go to this? Yeah. Right, exactly. Like could you go to this like indie one that's like run by like a queer person as opposed to Starbucks or whatever it might be. No shade on Starbucks, Brendan. I'm so sorry, but. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> Which I think is why queer people we all we naturally gravitate to shared spaces like this so we don't have to deal with mm-hmm. some of the daily bullshit of things like this. This is why and I would say probably true for like all folks of marginalized identities, right? That's why yeah. oftentimes spaces become really heterogeneous in these ways because when you found a safe space, why would you go back to dealing with a place that isn't that? Yeah, I mean, again, even going back to the last question, too, it's like, find those people, those spaces where, you know, you can just be yourself, be in your body, not have to be concerned with, you know, other people trying to place labels and things on you that you don't want. Because, yeah, then it's a lot easier than just trying to squeeze yourself into these spaces that like people aren't mm-hmm. making supportive and you know into a space that you'd want to be in so mm-hmm. yeah that's what we got for you today my babies babies we love babies we do Marissa's having a baby excuse me <laughs> she doesn't no, she's pregnant yet, but I sense it. This is not. In her uh, this body. isn't. I don't like where. I don't like this one bit. This is not. This is not funny. <laughs> I'm just kidding, actually, though. Uh, no I went. Babies. No, I went to my gynecologist this past week, and I was like, "Just so you know, I would never, ever, ever like to be pregnant." As we discuss what contraception options, like, know that. Yank it all out if you want. Anyway. Thanks again for joining us. We'll try to get back to you on a more consistent schedule, but we don't want to make you any promises that we can't be sure we're going to keep. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, we're trying Mm -hmm. our best, and that's what matters. But also, you don't deserve anything from us, so never forget that. Mm -hmm. This is all a privilege. Everything is a gift. Mm -hmm. But if you would like to hear more episodes and you will have to send more questions and again you can dm us on queers on instagram oh <laughs> did i do i just pronounce that <laughs> instagram <laughs> on the instagram email us at dearqueers.pod 
at gmail.com <laughs> or go to our website uh, gay. Um, and if you don't do that what tell them wow. hurt what? them emotionally <laughs> what's going to happen is when you least expect it Someday in the distant future, when you are, you and your little rucksack are wandering down a country road in the smoldering ruins of what used to be America, you are going to happen upon a little village. And at first you might stop and think, oh, what a place for me to have shelter and take refuge for the night. But what you won't know until it's too late is this is actually the cult that was aforementioned earlier in the podcast that I am the cult leader of and Brendan is deputy lieutenant. And the only way to get out of the cult is to use the minimal cell phone service you have to go and rate and review and like our podcast. That is your ticket to freedom away from our cult. Well, we're having some technical difficulties, um, but yeah, that was the threat, and it was very threatening, but um, yeah, so be careful that you don't end up in our post-apocalyptic cult, although it will be fun there. I'm going to stay there <laughs> and be there, because I'm partially in charge. Um, but maybe you don't want to. Anyway, I'm babbling, because I don't have any checks and balances from Marissa right now. So, we're going to say goodbye. Um, maybe I'll get a recording of Marissa saying, I'll pull from a different episode of her saying bye, and I can throw that in. We can pretend. And, uh, love you. Bye. Toodaloo!